Hello, it's David here. The Leader brings you news analysis and commentary every day at 4pm and we're recorded on the day, so we're always keeping you up to date with the latest events. Subscribe to make sure you never miss out. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Rishi Sunak to the rescue, but not for everyone. As I've said throughout this crisis, I cannot save every business. I cannot save every job. No Chancellor could. He's spending £300 million a month to support jobs. The Evening Standard's Jonathan Prynne tells us whether that will be effective or not. And... If your postcode district becomes high risk, the app will let you know and give you advice on what action to take. The ads are out and you can finally download the coronavirus tracking app. We speak to a GP about how much of a difference it could make. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the job support scheme explained. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm announcing today the new jobs support scheme. Almost as soon as the furlough scheme was announced, Rishi Sunak was being asked what comes next. As that job-saving programme comes to its inevitable end, the Chancellor was on his feet in the Commons to reveal its replacement. The government will directly support the wages of people in work, giving businesses who face depressed demand the option of keeping employees in a job on shorter hours rather than making them redundant. It will allow millions of people to effectively go part-time, working a minimum of one-third of their normal hours, but keep around four-fifths of their regular wage. Employers will pay for the hours staff do work, and then they'll split the bill for some of the lost time with the government, paying a third each. It starts on November 1st and will cost £300 million a month. Our editorial column, though, fears the Chancellor will have to dig even deeper into the Treasury's pockets soon. Our prediction is today's announcements might not be enough and there will be more to come. As jobs go and the economy finds itself in cold storage, Rishi Sunak will be under pressure to repeat the magic tricks he produced in the spring, which carried the economy through to the start of the recovery. 
The trouble with magic tricks is that they are less impressive the second time. The Chancellor also has less to play with. The furlough scheme was ferociously expensive. It cannot be afforded again. Ministers hope that by the spring, testing really will be working, infections falling, and a vaccine beginning to offer some hope. But that could be more than six hard months away. Our consumer business editor Jonathan Prynne was watching Rishi Sunak's announcement. Jonathan, the Chancellor told the Commons he can't save every job and he can't save every company, but he does appear to have put more money into this than a lot of people were expecting. Yeah, I think it's a package of measures that will be generally welcomed and the, the feedback, initial feedback I'm, I'm getting from people in the business community is that they're pretty pleased with what they've got compared with what they were facing over the coming winter, particularly the cliff edge at the end of October when the original furlough scheme was uh, due to end. The new scheme, which tops up wages of, of employees who do go back to work, should help save a good number of uh, job losses. We don't know yet how it's going to pan out, but certainly companies will feel a little bit more confident about surviving the coming winter than they did uh, this time yesterday. The maths of all this is quite complicated, though, isn't it, Jonathan? You've got companies paying some money and then the government pays some money and then a company will pay some more money and the employee doesn't get quite as much money as they used to get. A lot of people are going to be wondering, how much am I earning now? Yes, um, it, it is complicated, but uh, I think I think companies are getting used to complicated schemes now after all the, the absolute rash of schemes. I mean, the furlough scheme was quite complicated. The various loan scheme were, were, were quite complex as well. Uh, I think companies have got very adept at sort of seeing through the bureaucracy. They don't welcome the bureaucracy, but they do welcome the fact that the government will pay them effectively to to keep on staff. And that's got to be a good thing because, you know, I think mass unemployment is the really big spectre that haunts everyone. At the moment, the economy is is just about creeping on. The, the talk of the V-shape has gone. But I think if, if we were looking at huge amounts of, um, sort of 1980s style unemployment over the winter, that, that could be something that could change the calculation for everyone. So he's spending around £300 million a month, but you've been reporting in the Evening Standard, Jonathan, the cost alone to London of coronavirus is going to hit around £15 billion. Yeah, that's what economists are, are saying. If you tot up the impact on entertainment, on hospitality, on retail, on tourism, all those sectors that uh, are huge for London. Uh, and, and don't forget the two announcements that the Prime Minister made the other day, uh, the curfew on going out and the new advice to stay to work from home if you can, uh, almost uniquely calculated to, to damage London most of all of any region in the country because we have such a huge hospitality sector here obviously uh, and also the central London economy in particular re relies so heavily on people coming into work commuting in on those daily journeys and then spending money while they're in town before they go home again so uh, the economist we've spoken to today thinks that over the six month period that's been forecast by the Prime Minister for the, the length of time that will be needed for these measures it will cost London's output about £15 billion. A lot of those restaurants that you mentioned there, the hospitality sector, had worried that this was going to be all a little bit too little, too late. Are they still feeling that now? 
I think they're a little bit more sanguine. I mean, certainly the trade body, UK hospitality, has, has, has really welcomed uh, what was announced by the Chancellor today. If you talk to individual restaurateurs, they are still uh, they're fuming, actually. They're angry and they're dismayed and they're very, very frightened about what this winter is going to bring. But restaurateurs are a really, really hardy bunch. You know, it's always, uh, unless you're really lucky, it's always, um, you know, by the skin of your teeth that you get through the year, even in, in good times. Um, the margins are very small. Loads of things can go wrong. They're very adaptive and resilient people. But that said, one restaurateur I spoke to yesterday said he thought about 30% would go out of business before. Now he thinks it could be up to 50% over the winter, which is a pretty bleak forecast. Maybe that will slightly be reduced now with the new economic measures um, that the Chancellor announced today. But we will see by next spring yawning gaps in in the west end um all over central london where restaurants have just and hotels hotels are looking really really uh, struggling because the, of the the foreign tourist trade just isn't going to come back anytime soon and they're they're operating at sort of 15 percent occupancy at the moment it's just not viable so I, I think there is still an enormous amount of fear um over what's coming uh, in, the, in the run up to christmas and beyond yeah we're expecting these restrictions to last for six months. That's the ones announced by Boris Johnson. After this six months, after this job support scheme, are people starting to think what happens in spring? What happens next? Yeah, I, I think they are because I think everyone had been working on the assumption that when we had the pandemic this spring, it felt like by the time we got to July, August and the economy started opening up again, there was a massive collective few people were going out, eat out to help out was, was getting people outside again. I, I think it came as a bit of a shock to the system that, no, it's not over. In fact, if anything, it's worse than we ever thought it was. And we're going to have to restrict people's lives again with the possible sort of veiled threat that we could go back to a full-scale lockdown again. I, I think that really un that really unsettled people who thought, OK, we came through that, that was bad, but we survived. And they're now looking at, who knows, six months. And I, I think you're right, that will raise the question, is six months going to be six months or is it going to go forward into next summer when will it end my hunch is that the figures will not be as bad this time the deaths and severe illness and so on and that i just have a feeling that they're giving themselves some wiggle room maybe to ease things up a little bit before christmas uh, and can then sort of pat themselves on the back and say we did the right thing the measures are working and you know britain can celebrate christmas next you can check your symptoms in the app. And if they suggest you may have coronavirus, the app is an easy way to get tested. The ads are out and you can finally download the coronavirus tracking app. We speak to a GP about how much of a difference it could make. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. There are now nearly 10,000 new coronavirus cases being recorded every day in the UK, 
That's a lot less than the 100,000 a day seen at the peak of the pandemic here, but it's still a lot of people who need to have their contact with others traced so they can be warned. And that's a job Health Secretary Matt Hancock hopes could be made much easier now the government's tracking app has been launched after months of delay. You can download it on your smartphone right now. And with me now is Dr. Katrina Cristalis. Katrina, could this app be the game changer we were promised so long ago? Interestingly, I think that it's going to change things. But whether or not it's a game changer, I think that depends on the uptake and the way in which people use it. Why is that then? Why do why do so many people need to need to use it? So in 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 order for us to be able to test, track and trace, for example, and identify people who have potentially been exposed to coronavirus, enough people need to uh, be using the app. Um, because if not everyone is using it, then it wouldn't work, um, just purely based on that. But then it's also how you use it. Um, the app is going to be dependent on Bluetooth. It's, it's user dependent, isn't it? So perhaps if a, a, the younger generation were to attend a gathering, they could turn it off the, the, the Bluetooth um, and then the, uh, the isolation is not going to be enforced. So if everybody used it and stuck to the rules, you know, strictly, then perhaps it could be a game changer. Don't just download it. Make sure that you don't switch it off. Essentially, apps are difficult, aren't they? The human nature with apps, we've got so many of them on our phone, and I think we're getting updates and you know things coming in every second. So they can, maybe somebody would turn it off after a while if it was getting regular notifications. I don't know. I'm just highlighting the potential things that could go wrong. But if those things didn't happen and everyone followed and used the app completely, then maybe it would stand a chance of working. How does this work then? What happens if you or somebody you know um, is confirmed to have coronavirus? So if I was confirmed to have coronavirus, essentially people would be contacted if they had spent more than 15 uh, minutes within a two meter radius of me, because those people would be identified as being at higher risk and then they would be asked to isolate. So is something like this to somebody like you who has been on the front line there, is this going to make a difference to you as a doctor? I think so. And I hope so. So if you look at this in rather than isolation rather than looking at it in isolation if you look at it in combination with the restrictions that the government have put into place at the moment hopefully there will be a difference because we've got generally in general terms we've got to balance on the one hand we have to balance the health of our nature and on the other hand we have to balance the economy of the uk so if this app comes in and helps us from closing things down because it identifies people that should be should not be interacting with others and allows us to keep um, various aspects of society open, it's going to be fantastic. But that will only work if people follow the rules. How has your life been since this pandemic began? Has it been busy? Oh, it's been very busy. It's been very different. It's been very tough. Um, I think that that's how I would describe it. And there's been a lot of change. And that's The Leader. You can keep up with all the latest developments with the Evening Standards live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm.